Well, um, you just watch the video on All In, and that's what we start today, uh, emphasizing our All In 30-day challenge. And hopefully uh, through your Bible study class, you got your, um, your uh, 30-day challenge daily uh, guidebook, and you begin reading on that. If you didn't, there's some out at the Welcome Center. You can pick those up if you're not in a Bible study class. Uh, this will be a good time to pick up one of these books and get in a Bible study class uh, as we go through this. Uh, hear the same lesson. Focus on the same five things every Sunday in worship uh, and then grow together. That's what we want to do in All In. And let me tell you also because of what we've done today with um, uh, the worship, then the groundbreaking, and then baptism, and this worship, and uh, hosting Dennis, and there's a parroting conference tonight. I guess if we could throw in a wedding somewhere today, it would be fully complete, wouldn't it? Don't have another one planned, I don't think, till uh, well, next weekend, and then in November, and then we got one in December, so they'll be here shortly. Well, you're in the right place if you're in church, and you need to think about this every Sunday. Sociologist studies over the last 20 years show uh, that those who attend church regularly have lower blood pressure, happy outlooks, better marriages, and longer lives. Did you tell them about the Harvard study in this hour? Then it's told about a Harvard study of $20, $20 million following 100 people that they just find out that um, if you laugh, you're healthier, right? Okay. Well, let me tell you, it's also not only good for you to be here, uh, but it's also safe for you to be in the life of the church. Uh, researchers have descri- discovered that 20% of all fatal accidents occur in automobiles. How many of you came in an automobile today? I'm glad you got here safely. of all accidents occur at home. You can't leave home and think you're going to avoid it and move, okay? 14% of all accidents occur to pedestrians. So if it's in highly ranked in fatalities in automobiles and pedestrians, maybe you do need to ride a horse. You got a horse up there with those boots? Oh, okay. 16% of all accidents happen in planes, trains, or boats. Now listen to this thing. 0.001% of all deaths occur in church, and those are related to other issues, health issues. So the safest place to be, the healthiest place to be is where? In church. Every Sunday you need to remember that. I know there are a lot of challenges to all that. But that's why we are emphasizing this 30-day campaign together, all in We want to emphasize the significance and importance of being all together and being all in. Now, I know you can't be here every Sunday, every every Sunday for this uh, month time because of those previous commitments. I know we've got band competitions that keep kids out late, got football uh, on Saturdays that keeps families out late, and then uh, Sunday almost all day, I think, around here are the recreational leagues, and that takes people away for those things. So we've got a lot of challenges for that. But I want you to make a commitment. Put your picture on the board. If you're all in, in fact, that you're going to support your church and you will pray for this 30 days and you will be here when you're in town. That's what we're asking you to do, okay? And a great example of a church, I think, that was all in is going to be our model as we go through these um, five weeks together is one that I really love. My favorite story about the church in Acts 2, beginning in verse 42 through 47, because it follows right after the unleashing of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And 3,000 people were saved. And so he asked, then what? Okay, what happened was this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. 
Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, I hope you find that to be a very exciting passage of Scripture about the church. And and it's not just something from the past, never to be done again. That can happen today. It can happen today, and it can happen here, and we want it to. I do, don't you? See, here's what happens. Um, Let me give you a quote. I I, I hope it's accurate in this, but I'm told that Napoleon uh, once said that imagination rules the world. And I think by that he meant that imagination and a vision that was cast would be more powerful than a dictatorship or something forced or more powerful than a charismatic personality or legislation or anything. And I think history has borne that out. And we see that in Jesus Christ when he came. Jesus had a vision for the church. Uh, 2,000 years plus ago, he emerged on the scene as a, as a carpenter from Nazareth and he began to teach And he began to teach about the kingdom of God. And he inspired people so greatly that sometimes they would go all day without food just to hear him. And he talked about the kingdom of God that would come. And he said it was like a mustard seed that starts out so very small and grows to be a big bush where its branches will support so many birds. What Jesus envisioned was so valuable that he encouraged children to come to it, the poor in spirit to seek it and the rich to be willing to give up all their resources to enter into it. And Jesus said the good news of the kingdom must be proclaimed. For three years Jesus proclaimed that, and then all of a sudden, while his followers were anticipating something else, Jesus was betrayed and arrested and beaten and crucified. They watched him die. They knew he was dead and buried, and they thought all their hopes were gone, that this Messiah who had come, to overthrow the Roman government and to set up a political kingdom on earth had died and their hopes died with him. But then on the third day, guess what? Jesus came back to life dramatically and powerfully by the hand of God. And they learned in that process that Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God in the hearts of people. Forty days later, the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples as we've already mentioned here in Acts and It was a powerful and compelling experience, and people from everywhere were drawn to it. And they called that new movement the church. And true to Jesus' vision for the church, that church was like nothing that anyone had ever seen. Now, what made it the kind of church that it was? This new thing called the church. And, And we want to follow after and pattern the life of our church after. And we're going to study for five weeks. I would suggest to you that there were five uh, priorities that they committed to in the life of this church. And it made all the difference in the world. The first is this. They committed to authentic community. See, in this Jerusalem church, the people got real. They owned up to their mistakes. They confessed their sins. They took off their masks. They asked for forgiveness. And they truly experience community. And community can be so powerful because God himself designed us to live in a community relationship with him and with others. So they committed to being real with each other. 
If you're taking notes and you want to write something down that's important, write this down. Come up on the screen. The church is where you can experience relationships the way they were meant to be. The church is where you ought to be able to find acceptance and forgiveness and be able to be yourself. And how did they do that? The text says they were devoted. Devoted isn't a word that's used uh, very often these days uh, because there's so many distractions in life that keep us away from being devoted to something, just like I've mentioned earlier. So many things today, not necessarily bad, but uh, there are things that distract us from some of the more important things in life. But let me give you two examples of people who committed themselves to something from two extremes in life. The first is Michael Phelps. Many years ago, uh, he committed himself to swimming. And he committed himself, devoted himself to that. And this year in the Olympics, he received a record number of, of, of gold medals and other medals. The most decorated Olympian, I think, ever there was. Why? Because he was dedicated to swimming. And then on the other extreme is Billy Graham who had a vision of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world and for over 55 years has proclaimed that gospel because he was devoted to God and to the cause of the kingdom and he followed God's leadership in all that he did. So we need to be devoted. Find our devotion to Christ. Find our devotion to God. Find our devotion to this community that we call the church. And that is the strong force today that over 2 billion people or more are part of the church worldwide. So it's a place of community where people can get real. Secondly, they gave God wholehearted worship. I thought today's worship experience, I listened to it back here after baptism, it was just powerful, absolutely powerful. And I think you got into it too. Well, it's not just about what we did today, but genuine worship of God is where you are wholeheartedly committed to him. And that kind of worship is where we give of ourselves to him totally and completely with no reservations. And the Bible describes that at the end of Romans 11 in the first couple of verses of Romans 12 where Paul says, For from him and through him and for him are all things. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You see, they responded to God that way because they knew that God had created them, God had saved them, God sustained them, God gave them the breath for each moment of life. And they responded as only they knew how, and that was in heartfelt and devoted worship and praise to God. Verse, uh, well, the text also goes on to say, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. When they took the Lord's Supper, they didn't casually take it, but they took it very seriously. When somebody need prayer, needed prayer, the brothers and sisters of that church prayed over them, laid hands on them. And Acts 2.47 says that they were praising God. They worshiped God for who he was and what he had done for them. If you want to write something down, write this down. The church is where God gets the glory he deserves. That's why we meet week after week after week. Thirdly, they took their spiritual growth seriously. Verse 42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Every time one of their anointed teachers would teach from the Old Testament Scriptures, they knew insight that the Holy Spirit would give because now these believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. The church gathered together to hear that. Why? Because they believed that their personal spiritual growth was important. 
And they wanted to become as much like Jesus as they could possibly become. See, we, we take pride in a lot of things. We commit to a lot of things that we want to get better at. Our golf game, you know, uh, our, uh, our work ethic, uh, our saxophone playing, whatever it is, you know, we're committed to certain things. Are you committed to your spiritual growth? You know, sometimes I hear people say, I'm just not a spiritual giant. I like so-and-so is, or, or like these people in the Bible were. And you know, there was nothing extraordinary about any biblical character until they got a hold of God and God got a hold of them. And the same thing is true of you and me. We need to make our spiritual growth a priority. That's why we want to study these five truths together for the next five weeks. Everybody in the church studying that. And then here in the worship hour, that same topic dealt with. And the challenge for us is going to be so it's just not redundant. But you'll be challenged by it. As you read these daily devotions, you will be challenged by that. That's one of the most important things that you can do is to grow in the image of Christ. You want to write something down? Write this down. The church is where you can become the best you can be. Where you can become the best you can be. Number four. This church invested in positive priorities. You might think that's redundant to say in positive priorities, but you can't have negative priorities. And a lot of people today, I think, are. A lot of people in their finances or whatever are upside down because they haven't invested in positive priorities. But notice about this church. It says that all the believers had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as they had need. Now, I think this was a church of people who got their finances in order. They got control of their finances so that when a need arose, they could meet that need. And they got excited about it. They invested their time, their talents, and their treasures in what really mattered. See, that, what, that's one of the reasons that we offer things like financial peace, to help you get a handle on, on debt and get it eliminated and to learn that discipline of being disciplined with your money and your spending and your saving and honoring and glorifying God with that. You see, I, I really firmly believe there are a lot of people here who want to give, even as we run behind budget and, and, and these economic times. But the issue really is you've got to prioritize your life, and it begins with a commitment to God. And it begins with a commitment to God. And I believe that the way he wants us to honor him with that is through the tithe, the 10% of what he blesses us with. But you notice these people, I think, they gave. They gave not only of their offerings to God, the tithes to God. And you see, nowhere in the New Testament is the tithe from the Old Testament um, said that it's become passe. We, we're still to tithe. Some people say, well, we're under grace. We just give graciously. Well, <laughs> a lot of people don't give graciously. You are supposed to give graciously. And with some people, well, we give proportionately. Well, isn't 10% a portion of 100? That's proportionately. And then these people were in such great shape with their finances that then they were able to give to other things, like, say, a capital fund campaign to help us pay off the new student building even quicker than it being in the budget. See, it all works together when we have our act together investing in positive priorities. Investing in positive priorities. Many years ago, a Christian statement said this, There's only one life to will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. 
Remember what Jesus said? He said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but instead store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You want to write something down? Write this down. The church is where our time, talents, and treasure get invested for eternity. For eternity. Now, the, the last and fifth one, uh, characteristic of this church or, or priority of this church or purpose of this church is really introduced in verse 47 where it says, The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And, and that leads us to say something very important about this church, and, and it's this. They invited others to join them. See, they were really, truly all in in that church. And they were committed and devoted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. They didn't have, to their advantage, thousands of years of the tradition of the Christian church, but they had thousands of years of the Jewish faith, right, and that tradition. But when they truly came into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit filled them, they were totally different people. They were indeed the church, and they were excited and happy about being together. And you know what was the logical response that they would do? is that they invited other people to come and be a part of what they were experiencing. Now, we do that with some things, don't we? You know, we want to invite people to come and go to a ball game with us, or we want to invite people to come over and have a meal with us, or we want to invite people to go to somewhere that we like and something that we've experienced and think that they will experience. We find a good sale going on, a bargain on something. We let somebody else know about that, and we share those kinds of things. The best news ever is about Jesus Christ and the gospel, and you hear it in the church. If you're a member of this church or a part of this church in any way, then you ought to have a love for it. If you don't, why do you come? Yeah? So then it's logical deduction, I would say, if you are part of this church, you love what's going on here, you ought to invite other people, your neighbors, your friends, your workers, your friends at school, whatever, to come and be a part of what we're doing and what we're experiencing. You know, you know, all the research tells us that while not everybody will respond, there are more people who will respond to a personal invitation from a friend to come to church than any other way. Think about that. Let me have you write something down if you want to remember it. The church is where people become a part of God's family. The church is where people become a part of God's family. See, that early church lived with reality that they were entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they had the privilege of telling others about Jesus Christ. So we get a capsule of this church. It was an authentic community of faith. They were growing spiritually. They were investing in positive and eternal priorities. They were inviting family and friends. They were growing spiritually. They were inviting people to be a part of what they were experiencing. Maybe there's somebody you would like to invite to come be a part of what we're going to experience in the next five weeks and all in. So I challenge you tomorrow to begin in your daily reading. And again, I remind you, these were made available in Sunday school classes. I know we didn't meet for that today, but we've got some copies uh, on the Welcome Center. If you're not in a Bible study class, this is a time to get involved. And learn and grow together and experience that sense of Christian community. So do that as a challenge in this all in. 
And then let me, let me give this challenge, just twofold. If you are a believer in Christ and you're a member of this church, then just possibly there's something in your life that you need to get straight with God. Maybe you need to get straight with Him about your finances and what are you going to do about it being obedient about the tithe. Maybe you need to get straight about you're going, you're going to get into the Word and you're going to grow in your spiritual life. You've been slack on doing that and you haven't been doing that. This will help you get into that if you read this for 30 days and then you'll hear it again and it's taught to you. You'll have that opportunity to grow and develop those, not just habits, but those spiritual disciplines in your life. And so there might be something that you as a believer need to get right with God about. Now, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, then the most important decision you can ever make is to acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Savior and accept what He did on Calvary as, as paying the price for your sins and come into a relationship with God through faith in Christ. And so I want to offer a prayer that you can pray right now and make that decision if you're ready. If you're a believer, pray during this time that God's Spirit will speak to hearts. If you're not a believer, you might want to pray what you hear from me right after me in your heart, and God will hear it. So everybody bow with me as we pray. Lord Jesus, I'm inviting you into my life today. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I admit I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I invite you to be mine. I commit to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Father, we pray your blessings over this time of worship today and as we move into this invitation time that we know there's nothing magical about this prayer. But we also know that if anyone truly prayed that, truly repenting of sins and mourning a relationship with you through Christ, that Christ has come into their life and they're a new creation. They're a new person right now and their life will be changed forever. And Father, we also pray and acknowledge that in the life of this church, we need to make some decisions and some commitments about priorities in our relationship with you. And I pray that you will give to us as we ask for that the wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit as we seek to make these decisions. Father, I pray that you will bless the next 30 days in ways that we can't even imagine but that only you can do in this all-in experience. And that we will all want to be all-in in the life of this church. Growing in Christ, worshiping you as we should, and inviting our family and friends to come and experience what we've experienced in Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray now that through the power of your Holy Spirit, uh, you will touch hearts and lives and decisions will be made for your glory. And I pray it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.